You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to listen to us through Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Follow us on your favorite service to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check us out on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com to find out more about what PCLV is all about. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. And come on, give the Lord one more praise, amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and grab a seat today. Praise God. We've been uh, having a series of some... Uh, Summer night series, amen, for, for the, uh, going on from uh, July, August, you'll go into September, amen. Our leadership has been coming up here and ministering the Word, and man, they've been just doing an awesome job. Come on, someone give the Lord some praise. Come on, amen, man. My, my, my son tore it up last week, amen. I was proud of him, amen, and everyone in the house that has come up here, they have delivered the Word, they have, they have an assignment, which is on the Be Still uh, banner there, uh, be still and know that He is God, and, and each one has brought a stillness and a, of a message for our church, and it's just been uh, it's been powerful. And so these summer nights have been awesome, and I know that you're going to be blessed, Amen. As I, I bring up our speaker for tonight, Amen. I'm here to receive from the Word uh, myself, and I hope that you guys are ready to receive God's Word. Are you guys ready? Come on, somebody say, "I'm ready." Hallelujah! You got to talk to us, Amen. Otherwise, you stay longer. Come on, somebody say, I'm ready. Jeez, now we can go quicker, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But I want you to give God all the praise and glory. Give him a hand clap, amen, as Sister Miranda comes, amen, delivers the word tonight, amen, hallelujah. I know that she's going to do an excellent job. I have known this young lady, and she was maybe this high? You were a tall team. But since eight-year-old uh, coming to our church, and, I, and uh, I've seen her, uh, God just move and do some great things, and, and I know that she's going to bring a message tonight, so you'll be blessed. Amen. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you to my fans in the back. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, uh, I preach about Be Still, but I'm actually not going to preach about Be Still because I don't like that banner. Um, so we're not going to do that. My first thought when I saw that banner was definitely not buying the t-shirt. Um, <laughs> this is my first, my first comment. Um, this is like my worst fear. This banner is like my worst fear. I am extremely impatient. Um, where's Angie? Angie works with me, so she knows this. Uh, about every 30 seconds I throw something in the office. Um, at least, right? Laughing. She knows this. Um, be still is not something that is a natural thing for me. I'm really not, that's not, not my thing. So um, I definitely did not want to buy the t-shirt. I didn't want the banner. Um, I just kind of wanted to chop it up into little pieces and still, like, be the voice. Like, last year. Like, just kind of let that kind of flood over to this year. But God has a different plan. And I know that, you know, for the years that I've been here, every single banner has just been challenging. It's been challenging for a purpose, for a reason, because God needs to deal with me. So, and he needs to deal with everyone else, you know, because 
everyone else, I'm not the only like impatient one here, right? Like I'm not like, I'm not talking to like super easygoing patient people. Is that just me? Okay. You guys are looking at me like you're judging me and I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, uh, I don't want to be like, you know, whatever. Uh, you guys can throw stones at me later. Anyways, so, <laughs> so Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I'm, I am God. And in this time and age, this is not really something that I think anyone is used to. Um, you know, I got like Amazon Prime. Shout out to my Prime members. Anybody? Woo woo! Hey! Okay, so the people who raise their hands, they're on a time crunch, okay? I can't wait four days for dog food. I need, like, <laughs> when my dog run out of food, I need it, like, in 24 hours. You know what I mean? So, you know, I literally, okay, so I had a moment with myself the other day. I was about to order groceries online. And I thought to myself, that's lazy. And I was like, don't do that. So I was, like, two seconds, though, from clicking, like, order to my cart. Um, anyways, being still is a discipline. And it takes having that, that conversation of saying, you know what, God, I want what I want, and I want it now, but you want something different for me. And so, there you go. So today I'm going to talk about this right here, trusting the reroute. So it's pretty interesting. So I know, um, does anybody, does anybody like remember what they wanted to be when they were younger? Like some weird stuff, like impractical, like a robot or something, like you can just like, they're, they don't make any sense, but you wanted to be them. Well, like, I wanted to be a lot of things, you know? And um, turns out I became none of those things. So that's cool. Goals, um, my mission accomplished, I guess. But I guess as, there's two things that we realize when we're getting older. Hey, that uh, we're getting older, you know? Every year we, we hit the mark and we look a bit older. <laughs> things are not falling in the same place, you know? I realize I'm getting some... Some, yeah, you know what I mean. So <laughs> don't look at me like that. I realize, you know, it's not looking as, you know, fresh as 25 used to look. You know what I mean? No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> and we also realize that when we get to a certain place that life was not what we thought it was going to be. Right? So I just turned 26. Shout out to my young adults. Nobody? Okay. Because thank you. Jeez, come hang out with me so I don't feel so alone. And I realized, and I know you guys are going to laugh at me because, like, I truly believe in, like, the quarter-life crisis. I, I'm, like, I'm, <laughs> okay, so, like, when you hit 25, like, it, your whole life changes. You, like, I don't know what happens. You quit your job. I don't know. But you start thinking, like, what did I do for 25 years of my life, right? It's, like, a big, it's a big chunk. You guys remember? No? Right? It's a big chunk. It's, like, what did you do? And then, like, maybe you didn't graduate college. Maybe you never went to college. Maybe you don't have kids and you want kids, or maybe you, I don't know, man, like, it's real, okay? It's, it's a real situation. I don't want none of you guys looking at me in judgment, because it's real, okay? Um, but when you hit that, you know, I woke up 26 this year and thought, like, it hit me, like, it's August. I'm done. Like, that's my, that's my sermon. It's August. Time goes by so quickly, and we want to put things into practice, and, and we're like, oh, I don't want to be still, but yet time goes so quick that being still really doesn't take that long if you just did it. Um, but we're busy and not being still, so we're really not getting anywhere, so we're kind of just in a little loop, right? Um, 
So trusting the reroute means that life happens and there's always a reroute if you make a mistake, right? I was talking to someone this morning and she was telling me, uh, she had called me for prayer and she was telling me something about, um, you know, I don't, my life didn't go the way that it planned. Well, welcome to the party because it never goes as planned. She's like, you know, I didn't expect to be, you know, this age and, and you know, lose my kids and have this go on in my life and, and you know, continue to backslide and, and it's difficult to find my way back. And, I'm, and I, she was like, if God will save me, then I will go. And I'm like, you got to a point where if you've done, you think you've done so much that if God will save you, you know, and I, I encouraged her. I said, there's always a reroute. There's always a reroute. God always intervenes at the right time for you. He fights for you. He prays for you. Um, and he will always provide a way for you. So I'm going to talk about Google, like Google Maps, GPS, just really quick to kind of like, you know, break the ice. I feel like we're a little stiff here. So uh, <laughs> who has, show of hands, just interactive with me because if you don't, it will take two hours. Who has like, who uses like a CIA navigation device? Anybody, anybody? Okay, right, so maybe some people, you know. So you gotta use the device, get to where you're going. Sounds, sounds like a great idea, right? Now this thing is so amazing, this GPS tool. Okay, so the GPS tool can, I don't know what GPS stands for. Does anybody? Yeah, you took too long. <laughs> that sounds right, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> you can really say anything right about now. <laughs> Global positioning system. That sounds good. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. I believe it. So it, it, it can get you from point A to point B. It could be used as a traffic indicator, which is what I love to use it for, because I put it in my work and I know, like, should I take the 95 or the 215? How should I get to work? You know? And then it also gives me this timer. So I know, like, if I'm late to work, then I can already start thinking of an excuse. I have 30 minutes to think of an excuse before I get there. Um, <laughs> just, so that's what I use it for. But the thing is, when you get saved, God's GPS is like an iPhone 1. Okay, so, and don't, I'm, we're, we're going somewhere with this, trust me. So God's GPS gives you one app, one thing you can do on it. You know where you're going. That's it. It gives you a roadmap from the A to B. That's it. You and your lunch, like you can Google that in. It can reroute you to like different places. And, the, and that app is so high tech that it can do that. But this, this doesn't do that. This doesn't tell me when I'm going to get to a certain point. This doesn't tell me when uh, my family's going to have salvation. This doesn't tell me when I'm going to be uh, healed. It only tells me for sure that it'll happen. So it's so, it's so d disturbing to try to be like, to try to be still. And this app is like telling us, you know, everything we want to know. And the word of God runs strictly on faith. I don't have to have faith with my GPS. I have to have internet. <laughs> I have to have Wi-Fi. I have to be connected somehow so that way my phone will, you know, do something. And I think there's even, like, I think ways you don't have to have internet. You just need, like, other people driving next to you or something like that. 
But this, I have to have it. It, it runs solely on faith, on what I cannot see, which is not like super helpful <laughs> in, in, in this world. And I know that I've talked to many of you guys here and we, all, the constant thing that brings up, well, well Miranda, I, I know that you know, God's gonna heal me but this, or I know that, you know, this is going to happen, uh, but you don't understand. Like, you don't go home with me. You don't know how it feels. You don't see them when they're at home. And you're right. I don't. But I do know that it will happen. We have that assurance in our heart to know that we may not, we may have the iPhone 1 that doesn't really give us all the information that we want to know. And that makes it hard to be still. Because if we knew the answer, we knew, uh, you know, on October 27th, 2021, you know, your whole family would give their life to God. Then you would like, you would need faith. You'd be like, ooh, I'm just walking in. I'm just waiting. Like, you know, if you knew those things were going to happen, then you wouldn't need faith and faith would be unnecessary. Right? You, then, then you would be leaning on your own understanding and not on God's understanding. But also the result, if you knew, the results would be yours. You would know how to get there. And then it wouldn't be a God thing, it would be a you thing. So then it would be mediocre and not extraordinary, right? Because who was I talking to? Somebody in this room. I was talking to them and I was telling them, you know, if we want God to do something extraordinary, then we have to let him be God. Because if we can understand him, then he's not a God worth serving. But we can understand him because he can do everything that we can't do. So he's, he's remarkable, He's, he's without words. We're mediocre. We fail. We, we, we barely make it to point A to point B. Like if you, if you really had a New Year's resolution and you made it, I'll give you five bucks right now. I didn't think so. Yeah, right? So like you, you didn't because you can't even keep yourself a promise for eight months, let alone try to get to point A to point B. We need God. We need God in, in the map, in, in the route. And we may not know the steps in the, in the, in the route, but we do know the destination, right? Okay, all right, moving on. I skipped all of that, yes. Okay, so, <laughs> right, <laughs> he rerouted me. I got a lot to say tonight, so if you guys don't talk back with me, it's gonna be a while. <laughs> um, so I put out a few, a few points about God's GPS, about what the word does for us. And we have, you know, number one would be that he, he is our GPS, this is what he gives us, right? Uh, Psalms 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Meaning that we will always know where we need to go. When we lean to the light, the light will show us where we need to go. We won't be in darkness. If you find yourself like, oh, I'm so confused. I don't know. And I'm like, girl, where you been then? You know, <laughs> like there, there's a light. There's a light happening. There's a light to be followed. You're just not following it. You're choosing to close your eyes to the light when God is giving us everything that we need to, to follow that light. Um, okay, he is not a traffic indicator. He's not going to tell us when we're going to meet the Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Um, he's not going to tell you when you're going to finally get that promotion um, and, or when you'll be healed. But he does know every bit of it. And the faith that needs to rise up in our hearts needs to know that God knows the time of day. He knows our coming and our going. He knows when we get up and we get down. He knows every plan that he has for our life. And he will be faithful. He will be faithful. He is not a man that he shall lie. He is a God that he is always faithful. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is not something that the GPS can do. The GPS cannot tell you you're going to make it to your destination safe. You know, your, your GPS is not going to tell you, hey, you are going to be there on, you know, on time, below time. You're going to be there and you're going to make it with no road bumps. Your GPS can't tell you that. But God can tell you that at the end, it's finished, it's done, it's handled. We just have to be still and have faith that he knows what we don't know and that he's going to be faithful to come through. One of, thank you, thank you, thank you. Courtesy clap, thank you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, I remember praying, one of my first prayers, uh, I was always very uh, doubtful. I always dealt with a lot of doubt. And one of my first prayers that I started to pray consistently was, God, help me to, to understand who you are. Help me to know that you are faithful. And, re- and constantly remind me that you've always been faithful. You know, r- remind me that you are not, uh, you will make do of your word. You will not leave me. You will not forsake me. And I always ask for those reminders. So then when I would get, you know, people talking to me and they'd be like, God is for you. I'd be like, you heard me. And then, it would, you know, it, it, God moves through other people and speaks that into my life. And I, I remember always, always having God teach me that you're faithful. Teach me your character. And he did. And he was always faithful. He always took care of me. Um, he's always been my provider. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lead not on your own understanding and all of your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. He said to trust the reroute. Be still, know that he is God, that he knows what he's doing. Okay. I'm going to go into, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of mix this uh, Be Still sermon and kind of, you know, plug in the well a bit. So let's go to John 4, where we can talk about the woman at the well. Okay. I'm reading from the Message Bible because I really loved how this story kind of just portrayed in this, in this version. So I think they're putting that version up. Okay. I cannot imagine that the woman at the well thought that her life would end up this way. I don't know how old she is. I didn't look and all that, i got to be honest with you. So we're just going to call her the woman at the well, okay? And I don't know anything about her besides that. Um, but what I do know is, you know, she's, she's been around, right? She's, got, she's had five husbands. She's got a new husband, a new boo that's not her husband. You know, so like I don't know. I don't know how old she is, what she's been through, where she's been in her life, but I do know that she knows a lot about reroutes, right? When you get married, you think, you know, like, this is the one, and you get married to them, and then, you know, 50% of those, <laughs> they're rerouted. <laughs> you know, statistically, at least 50% of, of, of marriages end in divorces, so there's like 50% of people who understand a reroute, you know, and those other 50, thank you, Jesus, you are awesome, um, but my generation is like the worst at that, we, first of all, millennials can't make a decision to save their life, um, going back to like Brandon's comment about food, I've been in the car with them, we can't make a decision, <laughs> you put me, Brandon, and Des, and we don't know where to eat, I remember one time we left church, 
they're driving and I'm driving, I'm just stalking them behind them, you know? And I call her and I'm like, what are you guys doing? She's like, going to Jack in the Box. You remember this? And I was like, going to Jack in the Box. And I'm like, ew, why would you go to Jack in the Box? So I hear her and Brandon going back and forth, Jack in the Box, Jack in the Box. And I'm like, let's go to Chick-fil-A. And they're like, okay, we're <laughs> going to Chick-fil-A. It took like a good like second of like all of us talking in two separate cars. And we finally made a decision on Chick-fil-A and it was a good decision. It was a good decision. They would have been really upset with Jack in the Box. So I intervened. <laughs> the Lord intervened in, in a positive way that night. Um, so God, God sets a reroute. That was a reroute, right? Because Brandon's like, going to Taco Bell. Des is like, I guess we're going to Taco Bell. And I'm like, I don't know about Taco Bell. I think you guys should go to Chick-fil-A. So we went. Okay. <laughs> John 4. Um, I'm going to start reading because I'm just going to keep talking. Uh, Jesus realized that the Pharisees were were keeping count of the baptisms that John performed, although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. They had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came through Sychar and a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there, and Jesus was worn out by the trip, sat down on the well. It was noon. Okay, first six verses, I got a problem. So I look at the map. I wish I could have pulled up the map. So the thing is, it says here that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Fun fact, I looked at the map. He didn't, which is even better, because it means he, he, didn't, he didn't have to pass it geographically. He could have, like, went really out of his way. I mean, it's like the straightest shot. For, for sure. But like he, he didn't have to. He wasn't forced to. He could have went somewhere else. But that just shows that Jesus had a divine appointment for the woman at the well because he didn't have to, but he had to. Got it? Okay. You guys are with me. All right. That's, that's point one somewhere in here. Uh, and and this, this, going through this, we're talking about Jesus and how Jesus sometimes reroutes his plans for you. Um, all right, so a woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had already gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught talking to Samaritans. And Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh and living water. Now the woman does exactly what we do when God tells us to be still and we, he gots it and he's on our side and he's going to come to our rescue. She argues. So let's continue. <laughs> the woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with and this well is deep. So are you going to, how are you going to get this living water? Are you better than our ancestor Jacob? who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock passed it down to us. And Jesus so politely corrects her, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again and again. And anyone who drinks from the water I give them will never thirst, not ever. The water I give them will be an art art artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. And then she comes to her senses and she tells God, she tells Jesus, sir, give me this water so I won't ever thirst again. Uh, won't ever have to come back to this well again. 
You see right there, she makes that comment out of desire for the water, but she has no clue who he is. She still doesn't know what he's talking about. She, she's thinking like, you know, automatic ordering on Amazon. Like, can you imagine like if you didn't have to go grocery shopping and like somebody can do it for you? Like she's thinking, oh, he's just gonna deliver me like water, you know? She, she hasn't quite had the revelation of God yet. She hasn't quite had a, a, the encounter with God until the next uh, few verses. Jesus tells her, go call your husband and then come back. And she says, I have no husband. She's like, that's nicely put, I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. And she replies, oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but your Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? So she finds out that he's a prophet. She finds out that he's, you know, she's beginning to have a revelation. And she asks a dumb question. A dumb, like, it just, she asks, like, the worst question. If you had, if Jesus walked in, would that be a question you would ask? And, but so many times in our life when God is doing something and he's making something, we ask dumb questions. We ask the, one, the ones that don't make any sense, God, but how are you going to do this? But, but, you know, he's never going to get saved. But he just did this yesterday. But, you know, my boss is, is this, and she's never going to, my, my company would never pay me that much money. We, we automatically hit it with a question that doesn't make any sense. It's not a faith question. It's a dumb question. I got to say that off the mic. I don't want to say that too many times. <laughs> but it's, it's not the question that you should be asking someone who's saying, who, who you just, you have revelation that he's a prophet, and then you ask the wrong question. And he says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You, you worship guessing in the dark, and we worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews, but the time is coming, and it, and it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter, and where you go, will not worship, and you, where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. For those who are simply honest with themselves before him in worship, God is sheer being itself the spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their own being, their spirits, their true selves, and in adoration. And the woman said, I don't know about that. I know the Messiah is coming. And when he arrives, he'll give the whole story. She says, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't think that's, I'm sure when the Messiah comes, he's going to give us the information. And Jesus tells her, I am he. You don't have to wait or look any further. So Jesus' disciples came back and they were shocked. They couldn't believe that he was talking to that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left, and in her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she, showed the, she told the people, come and see a man who knew all of the things I did. He knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went to see for themselves. So I often think about why 
you know, why Jesus didn't go to the village with his disciples at that moment. He could have, I mean, they usually did, you know, quite a bit of things together. He could have went to the village, because they went to the village to, to essentially grocery shop, go get some food for lunch. And why didn't he go with them? And I think about how amazing that appointment was for her, that he chose, and it was a small, it was really a small window, because, you know, if he's walking faster and they take a 10-minute detour, they, they reroute somewhere else, and then they come back, it sets them back a, a few minutes of time. And who's to say how long Jesus was waiting for her? So I can't imagine, I mean, it took me about five minutes to go through that conversation, that dialogue. I can't imagine that took any longer than that. But Jesus made a divine appointment. And the point I want to make in the first one is that Jesus makes the way. Jesus makes the way when there's no way, and he goes out of his way to make sure there's a way. That makes sense? I don't know. That's in there. He does that. He doesn't do that out of anything but pure love and pure joy for, for our salvation. You know, um, somebody told me this week that they felt that like they were being tossed to and fro. And I was and I told her, and I was like, you know, I was like, well, do you know how much God loves you? And she was like, well, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know. And I said, do you have kids? And she's like, yeah, I have kids. And I said, okay, now can you imagine watching like maybe 10 feet, watching like from where they are to where I am, watching your daughter, your son drowning? Get that kind of, that's, I mean, I'm not a mom. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that feels like. I, I, I don't know that feeling of, of, of hopelessness that you can see them drowning and there's not really anything you can do about it because you can't swim like that. You weren't trained to swim that way to be able, because if you go in, you're drowning them, you know, as well. And, and, and I was telling her and she was like, you know, I feel like I'm going to and fro. And I said, you know, have you made the decision to, to serve God? She's like, well, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, in, you know, in and out and, Okay, so uh, first off, if you, <laughs> you know, God feels the same way about you drowning that you do about your kids drowning, but way much more. So he's watching you. And, you know, the, the word of God says that he desires, his, his, one, of his, one of God's deepest desires is that we know and come to the understanding of how much he loves us of how jealous he is for us, of how, you know, there's nothing that could separate us, and we, and we don't know that. We're, we're so, you know, not in tune with that, because if we knew that, then we would come running. If you knew that somebody loved you, you would love them back. And I was telling her, and I was like, you know, the thing with, with saving someone uh, who's drowning is that if they never give up, you can't ever save them. You'll drown with them, right? So if you want the Holy Spirit to come and invade your life, you have to give surrenderance to, to God. You have to, to figure out what you're doing. Just like the woman at the well. Uh, did she go back to this man? I don't see this man like anywhere in the scripture after that. Did she go back to that man? Because it says she left her well. So if she, if her bucket, so if she left her bucket at the well, that means she had every intention in, on coming back, on making sure that she comes back to see him. So Jesus did it. And, and the fun thing that I love, the really fun thing, is that Jesus doesn't just do it for you. He does it for the generations to come and everyone else who's going to be affected by that as well. He doesn't save you for you. He didn't bring Pastor R out here for just the Corral family. 
you know, if it wasn't for that family, where would we be here? Would we not be here? We don't know, right? Because it wasn't just for him, you know. God didn't save Pastor for Pastor Maria, although that's pretty cool. But, <laughs> but he had her in mind, but he also had every one of you in mind. He had every person that comes through this church consistently, new, old, every, you know, every person who's coming from the sober living and recovery homes, every person that hits our door every single church service, he had them in mind as well. And if you continue to read in the scripture, <clears throat> Jesus gets a little excited, right? He's, he's a little hungry, he's thirsty, and he gets excited in verse 31. He says, in the meantime, the disciples pressed, pressed him saying, Rabbi, eat. Are you going to eat? And he told them, I have food that you know nothing about. The disciples were puzzled. Who could have brought him food? And Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. As you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it will be time to harvest? Well, I'm telling you now to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe and it's harvest time. So Jesus went there, he, 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 you know, he left the Judean countryside to go to Galilee, but that wasn't his, that was his end destination. Jesus rerouted himself so that the Samaritans can come to the understanding of the savior of the world. He did that for everyone. And then it says um, down here, down in uh, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. And they asked him to stay for two days. A lot, a lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, we're no longer, longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it for sure. He's the savior of the world. So similar to, you know, um, Dez's message um, a few weeks ago, when, you're, when you've been in the presence of God, you don't leave like, you, you, you don't leave the same. When you've truly been in the presence of God, when you truly have had an encounter with God, there's no way you can leave the same because God has encountered you. The Almighty God has encountered you. So you'll never be able to be the same. You, it'll all, whether you try to run or you don't try to run, you're gonna be like the, 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 the backslider who's like just miserable because the Lord has encountered your life and you have met the Lord and you can't break up with the Lord because when you try to break up with the Lord, it's constant reminders of God's experience with you. And he did all of that for her and for the people of Samaria. Of Samaria. And a lot of the times he does the same things for us. He, he'll, he'll reroute us on purpose. And we think he's punishing us. We think he's, he's you know, like, what are you doing, God? <laughs> Like, I didn't want to be here, or, or I didn't expect to be here at this age, or I expected to do this and that. But the thing is, you have to trust the reroute. Trust that God knows better than you know. Lean on his understanding. I'm going to go into Genesis. I don't know if I put that in there. I might not have. Um, and I'm going to talk about my next point here that is a little bit, you know, a little bit more interesting. <laughs> So, so we're talking about Jesus rerouting it, but what happens when we reroute? So if you guys are driving on the little GPS thing, you can like, you know, put your little reroute. You can make stops before your stop, like if you need gas before work, right? So Eve is uh, a great reminder to us tonight 
that God has a plan for us and that he's faithful for that plan, right? So in Genesis 3, the serpent begins conversation with Eve. And in the conversation that he begins with her, he starts to question her about what God had said about the tree. And he says, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's, it's only that one tree in the middle that God said not to touch. And the serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, know everything ranging from good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get from it, she knew she'd know everything. So she took it and she ate it. And she gave some to her husband and she ate. Immediately, the two of them saw what was going on. They saw themselves naked. And then God started to intervene in that. So first problem is with Eve. Is the first problem is she, she's talking to a snake. And that's weird. Because um, don't do that. That's weird. You just, that's borderline like crazy. Um, and then, so like the first part is like she listened to the snake. That's weird. She started talking back to the snake. That's weird. And then number three, she took the snake's advice. That's really weird right? So uh, that may sound like a weird concept, but how many people do you have around you that you shouldn't be listening to that you get in conversation with anyway, that you start having more conversation with anyway, and then you take their advice anyway? Okay? All right. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that's the same thing. That's the same thing. You know, uh, I read this like quote, and I was telling Angie the other day because I lecture her at work all the time. Um, it, it said that the, the top five people that you hang around, you are those five people in one person. So if that means you're hanging around five people that you've connected yourself to, and those five people are influencing you, and, and, and you know, maybe they're, you know, they have certain issues with certain things. And those issues now become your issues because you're in contact with them. And that's biblical. The Bible says, you know, uh, you, you, those who you're around, they affect you. You know, they're, they're your character. Their character becomes your character. And who you influence yourself with is who you are influenced by. You know, pastor teaches us this a lot in, in leadership and making sure that we, we guard our character. And we're with people who are sharpening our character, who are, who are, you know, around what we need. So, you know, when you choose those five people and you think, well, I mean, maybe it doesn't have to be five people, but take Take certain things from people and you think, you know what, uh, Brother Fino, I enjoy your boldness. You know, sometimes it's a little, it's a little hard and maybe a little threatening to, to, you know, go out and just preach to whoever. But man, I appreciate that boldness. So then I get myself around Fino and I'm like, man, he's bold. So I want that boldness and I'm going to become bold because I'm around him. But then if I got around Fino and Fino's really, you know, angry and, and he's short-tempered and I start hanging around him, I'm not talking about you. If he, this is all hypothetical people, but not really. The first part's true. Um, if he's really hot-tempered, eventually hanging out with him, I'm going to be hot-tempered because he's my intake, right? The, the serpent was Eve's intake. That's what she was putting in her body. Like, I can't expect to, like, work out all the time and, like, eat cake. No joke. I worked out yesterday. I had a box of Pringles and <laughs> a cake a piece of cake this morning and uh, but I did have egg whites and like spinach this morning <laughs> but like come on like I I know I just told them myself so I canceled out my whole workout yesterday like just forget it but I can't expect 
that change it. If my, if my intake, if what I'm putting inside of me is junk, is crap, is dumb, then I can't expect what comes out is miracles and God moving and God's spirit because what I'm putting inside of me is no good. It's, it's, it's no good. So Eve's first problem was that what she decided to put inside of her was junk. And then she got junk from that. She went so quick from like being called to being cursed. But the amazing thing about Eve is that God called her to be the mother of all living. And because she was rerouted and she made her own mistake and she was guilty, God didn't uncall her. You know what I mean? She actually, the fun fact about this is during this time, she was called woman. She was given Eve after the fall of man. Does that make any sense? Eve means the mother of all living. So God still gave her the name Eve even after she failed, even after she, she fell into sin. And God still does the same thing for us. You're not uncalled. God doesn't take your, your, your plans and rip them up. He doesn't do that. He's called you, and if he's called you to do that, then he's going to see it through. Are there going to be some bumps in the road? Yes. Are there, is there going to be a reroute? Yes. There was a reroute for her. Her sin led to, you know, additional sin led to, you know, Cain and Abel and, and, and Abel's death. But it also led to Seth. And Seth happened about 105 years later, <laughs> a little bit longer down the line. But Seth, the Bible says that Seth fulfilled uh, Adam's need because he looked exactly like him. He was, he was the upbringing of Adam. So that led to sin, but also leads to God's glory. And eventually, like, you know, 2,000 bajillion times over leads to Noah and like <laughs> later on down the line. But when we get ourselves in, in a mess, God still reroutes us. So not only does Jesus set appointments for us to be rerouted, and we think that the enemy's attacking us and, you know, God, you know, is, is not for our good. When we think that, Jesus is saying, hey, hey, I'm just rerouting you. That's all. I'm just rerouting you. Well, well you know, we, we seem to think that that's the case. I'm going to show you this because I think it's really funny. Ooh, I heard that. I think this is really funny. I think this one. Everybody, download this. Can you hear it? Yeah. <laughs> you like it? This is not my GPS. My GPS doesn't talk on purpose. <laughs> okay, so. Recalculating. Yeah. Continue 0.7 miles. Recalculating. We're going to call this new season in our life recalculating. <laughs> rerouting. God is rerouting us. Now, there's a reason why I never listen to the GPS. So there's a reason why I don't actually have it like talking because I always go the wrong way. Um, okay. So Eve got in her own way. And we get in our own way. So that's that. Now we're going to move to something uh, a little bit more exciting. I can see this. The last reroute. The ultimate reroute, the reroute above all reroutes. Jesus. So we go, we have Eve, we have the fall of man, 
all of that is great, all of that's fantastic, not really, because, you know. But the amazing thing is that now we have John 3.16. And now we have Jesus. Because from the beginning, in Genesis 1, it says that the Word was with God and God was with the Word. Right? So they were always together. They were always a part of the design. And Jesus is the ultimate reroute. He rerouted uh, his, his, you know, his life to save our life. So John 3, 16, I think I still remember. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus was the reroute for our sins. Because where, where Eve got... You know, her reroute was like painful childbirth. <laughs> and, and, you know, Adam had to now work for food and to take care of himself. And the pain that came with living in a sinful world, God sent Jesus to be the way. So we have Jesus making a way for us, God fixing our way, right? When we get in our way, which so many times we do. And then God sending Jesus for us. So that's... That's kind of like, I don't really have too much to talk about. That's really self-explanatory. Jesus made the way where there was no way. And he did that for us, for our reroute. So we can sit in our life and we can think, you know, I'm not really where I thought I would be. Or I'm not really where, um, you know, I want to be. And, and we can sit and we can worry about that and be anxious about that. God tells us to be anxious about nothing because he knows everything. And he knew everything. And not only is Jesus going to make a way to reroute our lives through whatever the situation may be, he also sent a way for us the ultimate way so that Jesus could give us eternal life with him. Whew. Okay, I'm thirsty. Two seconds. Okay, let's go to Romans. Romans 8.3 is one of my favorite verses. I'm reading it out of the message because it, it just punches me right in the stomach. It says, God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote or unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on human condition, entered the disorderly mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code weakened as it always was by fractured human nature could have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid of sin instead of, dealing, instead of deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver it, accomplished as we. Instead, we redoubled our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. The Spirit is doing something in you, and it's going, to re it's going to be necessary for a reroute. Because what you thought your life was going to be is not what God thought your life was going to be. Because God has a plan for us. And the most important part is that God's thoughts are above our thoughts, and his ways are above our ways. And we cannot take our, our little human brain and wrap them around a big God. So whatever you think your life should have been, it shouldn't be, because God has bigger plans for us. And I just wanted to, to bring the message to a close and, and, and talk a bit about anxiety and worry 
And, you know, I loved what, what Sir Des said in worship. You know, you cannot worry and worship. We, we react in worry when we should be acting in worship. We should be taking the reroute and saying, God, I'm just going to be still and know, and know that you are God. I know that you know why this happened. You know the plans that you have, and I have no clue why, why you did it. I don't know why this happened, but I know that there was a reroute. And I'm going to be still, and I'm going to worship in that reroute. I'm going to worship. Because when you look at your GPS, if your GPS, like, reroutes you, how many of you, like, get upset with the GPS? Nobody, right? Who would be weirdo yelling at the GPS, like, I didn't want to go that way. I wanted to go this way. You're not yelling at the GPS. But we're so disgruntled with God when he changes our plans. We're so upset. We want to take the GPS. We want to throw our phones. We want to, we're so upset with the GPS when it changes our route. Why? It changed your route to help you. God changed your route to help you. He just wants you to be still. You're, you're super still and you're like, oh, thank you so much, Google. You know, I, I missed the, the, that. Oh, I'm so glad I got out of that accident. But when God reroutes your life and takes you a different route, you find yourself maybe without a job, going into a different job, married, not married. There's a kid, a kid pops up. You know, I don't know how that happens sometimes. But, you know, when I looked at, you know, I love talking, Chris and Carol aren't here right now, but like, seriously, how did they have that baby? You know what I mean? Like, God, that's God. God's rerouting them. They're like, oh, yeah, no, we're done. Baby factory's over. Tooth's tied. Call it a day. And God's like, no. I remember the day we were at worship practice, and she's like, guys, like, could I be pregnant? And I'm like, no. Like, what do you mean you can't be pregnant? She's like, yeah, well, like, I had my surgery. Like, everything was good. Like, I can't be pregnant, right? She's like, but, like, I feel pregnant. Like, like I feel like two days pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, like what's going on? Like, like she, she felt that, and I was kind of just like, no, guy, he's not pregnant, right? Like, she's not pregnant. You know, my mom had me when her tubes were tied, but that was like 1990s. Like, they didn't really do real surgery in the 90s, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nowadays, like, it's, it's supposed to be like super duper accurate nowadays, right? No? Yeah, but see, God reroutes it. They said no more kids. God said one more kid. And now maybe one more, one more kid. Who knows? Like, keep it coming. Like, just keep filling up, <laughs> filling up the church. But see, God has a plan. And, and you can take it like, Oh, okay, God, this was your plan. I said no, you said yes. We're not going to yell at God. We're going to say, God, you rerouted my life. Let's see, let's see what happens. That's a miracle, baby. That's a, that's a, a, a prophet, baby. That's a, you know, that, that, that's a baby that is going to do great things because God said so. God pushed past it. He's like, I don't care. I made your body. I create your body. I'm going to do whatever I want with your body because God reroutes in such a miraculous way. And you may be looking at me or like not paying attention or like whatever, but you're probably like, well, God's not rerouting my life. And I was like, well, all of you guys said you're not where you thought you would be, right? So God rerouted your life. He brought you here. He brought you here. Maybe your, your dream and goal wasn't even to be in church. You weren't trying to you weren't trying to serve God. Here you are, right? You, you, were, you, you were trying to do your own thing, and God rerouted you, and, and, and he brought his love and his compassion to you, and that rerouted you back to the throne, back to where you needed to be, back to where you were called to be. So many of us, 
we leave and we think, well, you know, I don't feel comfortable being backslidden. Yeah, because you're not supposed to be there. Get rerouted. <laughs> Get rerouted. Get back to where you need to be. If you're not where you need to be right now and you're thinking, God, you know, I don't know where I need to be. And guess there's only one answer to like where you need to be. And that's with God. There's only one answer. One answer, point A, you, point B, him. Wherever that reroute is somewhere else, God's just going to continue to reroute you until you get to him. That's his goal. That's the goal, right? The Bible says that he's holding on patience (laughs) so that none shall perish because there's only one goal. So he's going to keep rerouting you. You're going to have to keep hearing recalculating, recalculating, recalculating until you get to where you need to be. And then you'll have peace. Then you'll stop being so anxious. Then you'll stop worrying. Then you stop thinking about you, 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 you. Start thinking about him, 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 him. And that's when you'll truly find freedom. You won't keep battling back and forth with, I don't know what I should do. I don't know what I should be. I mean, like, I was just telling her, like, I think I want to be a nurse. And I'm like, stop. Like, I spent four years doing something else. Now, I don't do that at all. You know, like, I wanted to be a firefighter. Like, I wanted to be a ballerina. Now I sell polos and some shirts on the side. Like, now, you know, that's, that's my job. You know, yesterday I was packing boxes and, like, you know, I was like a warehouse worker. So my life was rerouted. You know, my, my, my goals and my dreams were different. But God rerouted me. And he rerouted me to be where I need to be. And that doesn't mean I'm going to be here forever because if I'm leaning on God, if I'm hearing his voice, he's going to reroute me again. Where he reroutes me, I don't know. But I have to be still and know that he's God. I have to have faith. I have to let faith rise up where fear wants to rise up and believe that whatever he did, he allowed. He didn't just let it slide through the cracks and think, oh, well, you know, okay, I guess. Whatever happens, happens. No, God allowed it to happen. God okayed it. If you got fired, God okayed it. Sorry. <laughs> God, God. done now so if we can all stand you know I just want to